0: Hello, and welcome back to part two of today's podcast. Um, Yes, it's still Thursday, April 30th, last day of the shelter in place order here in Brownsville. Um, We already did part one and we published part one um, earlier in the day. I said I'd be back for part two. Uh, And here it is. So, uh, again, broadcasting from the Brownsville Beacon Studios, a stone's throw from downtown Brownsville, Texas. Um, I wanted part two to be a little bit more lighthearted. Uh, we've been talking quite a bit about quite a few serious things in the last couple of podcasts. We've been, uh, talking about some serious stuff, uh... And I wanted to take a little bit of time to. Uh, I'd been threatening since the first episode. I'd been threatening some uh, local history stuff. And uh, again, I apologize if you hear a little background noise. I've got the front door open, let some fresh air in. In the evening today, I'm waiting for the uh, lights on the stadium to turn on, and I'm waiting for the sun to go down a little bit. Uh, so I've got the uh, the front door open uh again guys, um, I've been threatening for a while now to talk a little bit about some local history. And I want to wait a little bit on the virtual walk or the virtual walkthrough of downtown. Uh, I've been talking to uh, somebody else, another local historian, uh, and we have some plans in the works to, kind of work on a dual virtual walkthrough, but, uh, I do want to take a little bit of time to talk a little bit about historic downtown Brownsville, uh, I grew up there, Um uh, my, I was very fortunate, my grandfather, my paternal grandfather, was, um, an employee for the Brownsville Urban System, I guess what today we call the Brownsville Metro, the city bus system, back then it was called BUS, the Brownsville Urban System, and, um, and The headquarters of the Bronzeville Urban System, uh, for a while, was a little bit closer to my house here. Um, But eventually, I want to say sometime in the... I guess in the 1980s, the late 80s, early 90s, uh, the main switching hub for... Uh, ...the Brownsville Urban System or the, the one place that um, all the bus routes ended up was in, 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 at Market Square in downtown Brownsville. Uh, and Brownsville is unique in other cities. For example, if you've ever visited San Antonio before, obviously San Antonio has a mass transit system... ...and they have, um, you know, different bus routes and whatnot but none of them there isn't one main hub where all the buses end up uh, there are different routes that you take all around the city and they take you different places and you know that's the route that's what that's how the bus works uh, but here in brownsville uh, mo the the bus routes uh, at the time they started at Market square downtown brownsville and then they took off from there, and it depends where you went, you know, if you went down uh, southmost, you came, uh, you you know, you went towards the Amigoland Mall, you went towards Sunrise Mall, uh, there were different routes, you know, the Jefferson Central, Los Evanos. there was North Rockwell, there was the Limon bus route, there was, uh, there, there were several different uh, bus routes, the airport bus route, so on and so forth, I'm assuming some of them have changed, some of them may have stayed the same, I really don't know. Uh, how it works today, but um, in the nineteen uh, in the late eighties and nineties, uh, that's how it worked. Uh, I guess today the buses all they they no longer meet at Market Square. They meet at uh, at the bus depot downtown, uh, right next to the Immaculate Conception Cathedral, uh, where the old VTC bus station used to be. The old Lopez grocery store. Used to be now you have a uh, a bus depot there, and where you have the city buses, and then you have other uh, buses as well that you know take people north, you know, to points north, you know, Houston and so on and so forth. Uh, Different bus lines all start there at that uh, at that bus terminal. Uh, But again, uh, the time that I'm talking about, again, you had your uh, bus routes leaving the market square area market square was interesting at the time it doubled well, it didn't double it had many different functions uh, it was uh, city hall at the time it was the main bus terminal it was also there there was a small cafe there called the texas cafe uh so there there were different things in uh market square and at the time it was still even a hub For a lot of other downtown activity, there were several uh, watering holes around the area. Uh, There were some restaurants around the area. There were some barber shops and some secondhand stores. And the one place I really want to talk about today that was right next to the uh, Market Square bus terminal on the 11th Street side is going to be uh, Whitman's Army Store. That's what I want to talk about today. Um... Whitman's Army Store, if if you are from Brownsville, if you're a Brownsville native, if you've been around since the World War II era and beyond, Whitman's has always stood here in Brownsville. Uh, It is an interesting store. It was definitely unique for its time, and um, I have a lot of fond memories from Whitman's, um, again on East Eleventh Street, uh, on the on that one, I guess it would be on the western side of Market Square. Uh, you can still see the building today. We'll talk a little bit about the building, what it and in its incarnation today. But uh, it, again, it it was an interesting store. Um, it. Uh, if you visit the yesteryear's Brownsville page I still think I have it up I'm almost certain I do let me just double check yeah if you actually visit the yesteryear's Brownsville page uh, one of my uh, history Facebook pages that I have uh, you'll notice that the cover photo or the background photo of Uh, the yesteryear's Brunsville page is a color photograph of Whitman's, I want to say maybe in the 1970s, early 1980s, uh, in its full glory. It's got the uh, storefront. It's got some uh, colorful flags in front. It's got the Whitman's Army Store, the pawn shop, and the gun museum sign. It's got a big sign emblazoned on the side that says Whitman's on the front. There's even one that on the building behind it. Uh, it says loans on the side. It says all the different things that that you can find at Whitman's, and and again, guys, Whitman's was actually kind of neat. It was a, it was all kinds of stuff. It was a pawn shop. It was a gun store. It was a Home Depot before there was a Home Depot. It was an academy before there was an academy. It was uh, Bass Pro Shops before there was a Bass Pro Shops. It was all of these things rolled into one. It was a hardware store. It was all different kinds of stuff. And one of the things that initially, or I'm sorry, that initially, I don't know, my tongue is a little tied today. I apologize. One of the things that initially drew me to this store was uh, the military items. I I collect a lot of things. I'm I'm a big collector. Uh, And of the many things that I collect, we're not really going to get into that, but um, I collect military items, uniforms, badges, ribbons, medals, insignia, things like that. And Whitman's, first and foremost, was an Army-Navy store. It was a military surplus store uh, before it was anything else. Um... And from there, it really grew into many, many different things. Uh, again, I want to talk a little bit about the, uh, the history of it, and again, why it's called Whitman's and so on and so forth. So uh, let's go ahead and get into that. Uh, Whitman's was started by a gentleman, again, by the name of Bernie Whitman. Okay, Bernie Whitman was a World War II veteran, he was a New Yorker, and he uh, ended up down here, if I'm not mistaken, after serving in the European Theater, Uh, he was uh, captured, he was a prisoner of war for eight months, and... uh, It is my understanding that he made his way down to Brownsville because of his wife. His wife, Mildred, was a Brownsville native. So after the war, after being released as a prisoner of war, he eventually makes his way down here to Brownsville, and he opens up a storefront, and it's not actually... It wasn't actually at the location where it is today he actually started out at the intersection of east 10th street and elizabeth uh that's where he started out and the way it worked guys at the time was uh, again you had uh, if if you study history at all if you're if you're interested in history you will know that uh The military gears up for war and they need everything and anything you can possibly imagine. From socks and toiletries all the way to uniforms, helmets and weapons, vehicles and all kinds of supplies. And obviously World War II was one of America's largest endeavors. The mobilization for war, the war effort was really second to none at the time. And it's really something that we haven't even seen today. And uh, so we fight World War II, we win World War II. After 1945, we still have a lot of this equipment that the military procured in order to serve the the GIs, the soldiers, again, uh, tents and, uh, you know, implements and shovels and pickaxes and binoculars, and all kinds of stuff. So, because of that, because of all of the items that we produced in this country and we no longer needed because war was over, uh, the surplus store business booms. Uh, Many things boom in the United States after World War II. Uh, Technically, again, if you've ever... Again, if you've heard of the baby boomer generation, those are people born as a result of soldiers returning back from war and starting families, having children. Uh, and uh, again, you start people start selling vehicles, and then there's you know the automotive revolution and moving to the suburbs and all that good stuff and America's societal shift and you know whatever. But again, one of the businesses that's a byproduct of the post-war America is the surplus store. And surplus stores pop up all over the United States. Uh, Whitman's was not the only surplus store in Brownsville, Uh, but he opens up. There's some more that open up. There's one that opens up in Harlingen. As a matter of fact, it's still open today uh, in one way, shape, or form. It's, It's evolved since its inception at the time. But, again, there's also a surplus store in McAllen. And there's several different surplus stores dotted all throughout the country. Um, Obviously, today, because of online sales, sites like eBay and the like, uh, surplus stores have taken a dip. And uh, many brick-and-mortar surplus stores are closing down. But they still exist. You can still find them here and there. And, again, the one that's really going to take off in Brownsville is going to be uh, Whitman's. Again, uh, he starts out like I mentioned on the corners of uh, at the corner of East Tenth and Elizabeth Street. Then he is going to um, start obtaining all kinds of inventory from the government and he quickly outgrew the store and he finds the larger space on 11th Street across from Market Square. And that's where he sets up shop. Uh, again, he starts he sells all different kinds of military, Surplus Again, everything from uniforms and blankets and shovels and and all kinds of stuff. But Bernie was a very intelligent person. He was a very good businessman. And he started to diversify uh, his business as time went on. And uh, surplus goods aren't going to be the only thing that he sells. Eventually, he's going to sell... The Army-Navy goods. Uh, One of his big ones is going to be guns and ammunition. We'll talk about his guns in the gun museum in just a minute. Um, And then he really diversifies, guys. He goes into pet supplies, uh, records, glasses, hardware, paint, uh, all kinds of stuff. Um, If you needed to repair your house... If you needed uh, to have, if you had some sort of home repair project, you went to places like Whitman's. Um, and in addition to, again, being sort of a Home Depot, Walmart, Best Pro Shop, Academy, uh, surplus store, True Value, all rolled into one, in addition to that, uh, another thing that really drew a lot of customers to his shop was that he was Brownsville's first licensed and bonded pawnbroker. He is going to... A lot of people will remember him, and a lot of people will remember his pawn shop. Uh, As a matter of fact, if you visit the storefront today, uh, the, the outer shell of the... The building still exists, obviously, uh, I'll talk about what's inside it today, but if you if you go down 11th Street, if you pass through that side of Market Square, uh, you will see the building uh, and the only re- side of the, the Brownsville, there's I think like a historic marker or historic association marker that you can find there on the building, but aside of that, guys, the only real telltale sign that you could tell that it was a pawn shop or that it was anything that we're talking about is today you can still see the three pawnbroker spheres that are hanging from one of the windows on the second floor of the building uh if you've ever seen the show pawn stars if you've ever seen if you've ever seen pawn stores um advertised, you will see that they usually advertise under a banner of three spheres, three metallic spheres. And again, you'll see these spheres still standing today on the building, which show you that that's the building, that that's what Whitman's used to be. And, and again, guys, his pawn shop was really something that ended up pulling a lot of people into uh into his shop um if you needed some money uh, again if you've never been to a pawn shop before you take something of value to a pawn shop and you can either pawn it which means that they will lend you x amount of money on the guarantee that you will end up paying them that money back or you can just outright sell your items to the pawn broker and uh, what Mr. Whitman would do is, uh, every year, or I, I don't know if it was every year, I'm assuming it was every year, maybe it was multiple times in a year, multiple times in a year, but uh, Whitman would regularly hold sales, uh, and he would auction off unclaimed pond items to uh, bidders who would show up at his shop. So, uh, every time he'd hold one of these sales... It was a really interesting kind of, you know, a bunch of people were there and they would go over there, they're looking for a deal. Again, he would, uh, you know, sell some of this jewelry. He would sell some of the things of value. He would auction them off. Um, and uh, again, guys, even if you didn't uh, buy anything in the shop, even if you weren't really interested in buying anything, you were still was so pretty interesting to go into Whitman's. Uh, he had all kinds of stuff on display, and th- th- this was the part that really attracted me, as a as a young child, as someone who couldn't afford most of the things who uh, that that were in the shop. Um, I was very fortunate. Again, I lived in a very simple time. It was very different. Uh, I would uh, spend a lot of the summers with my grandfather. I would go uh, to his uh, to, to the bus terminal. And I would get to walk around the area. There was a restaurant around the area. GNA's, Miss Ragilad had a restaurant right down the way. And I would eat there. And I would go to Whitman's. And I would walk around to the secondhand stores. And I would go see my grandfather at work. And I would ride the buses. I would do all. It was a wonderful time. It was downtown Browns was a beautiful place. Very very different than what it is today. Uh, there was still a lot of retail. There were you know movies at the Majestic and and you could go to Crest, and you could go to all these different places. It was a very beautiful, very simple time, and I loved it very, very much. And, uh, again, you could go in there, and Mr. Whitman had suits of armor, and he had military uniforms, he had swords, he had antique firearms. He had all different kinds of stuff on display. Uh, Obviously, you wouldn't, uh, again, I wouldn't touch any of it, but uh, again, all of these things were on display and uh, you could go in there and see them. Uh, I'm a little too young to remember, but there are those who tell tales of a uh, a bobcat that he had, that Mr. Whitman had that roamed around the store. Uh, by the time I started going to the store, I guess maybe the, the, the bobcat was no longer there anymore. Uh, I don't know. But he definitely had uh, animals that had been stuffed and mounted. Uh, Again, uh, the the suit of armor sticks out in my mind. Uh, German uniforms stick out in my mind. Uh, And yeah, like I said, he just had a lot of really neat stuff. I mean, you could probably spend the entire day in there. Probably longer than that. And uh, and not see everything that he had to offer in the store. Uh, Again, I remember one of... One of the neat things that I got a chance to do is, um, I again, of the many things, I don't know if maybe when I was younger I was attracted to the colorful things or what the, the scenario was, but uh, I was always very attracted to military ribbon bars. And uh, I remember I went in there and I wanted to buy some ribbons, and they had a box, a cardboard box, that was just filled with, patches and ribbons and insignia and I got a chance to thumb through all those things and look through everything and pick out pieces that were interesting to me and uh, again I I liked it because you know the the staff there the the people who worked at Whitman's never uh, made me feel like I was uh, annoying or that I was a nuisance Uh, they were very very friendly people Uh, again uh, and and I was able to just you know look through things and I had some uh, a little bit of money I'd buy a couple of these ribbons and I would add them to my collection and I mean that's something that hasn't changed today so still have a very large military collection uh, today and again it all started my love of all of these things all started um, with uh, with Whitman and, and again it's, it's they're definitely very very pretty very beautiful memories. Uh, to this day, if you, um, come up, I guess it's, uh, Adams Street, and uh, you come up from behind the building where Whitman's is, you can still see a sign a, a, a uh, uh, that's advertising Whitman's with an arrow that's pointing to where Whitman's is, and, uh, again, um... It, it was just a really neat time. It was a really neat uh, adventure to be able to go through there and look through things. And uh, as I've me- I, I've written about it on, on my yesteryear's Brownsville page, I've written blog posts about Whitman's, I've posted pictures about Whitman's, and everybody who I've spoken to uh, always remembers Whitman's very, very fondly. Um, it's very neat. Uh, like I said, one thing that Mr. Whitman was very proud of um, if I'm not mistaken again this this was a little bit uh, before my time because I don't really remember uh, this, but Mr. Whitman, I, I want he 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 must have passed around, uh, he must have passed away. I guess in the mid '80s, uh, when when the store ended up closing, uh, today the the space is used as a as a ropa usada, as a secondhand store. Um, you can go uh, when it is open. I guess now because of the pandemic or whatever. But I've been in there since it's closed, uh, since it was no longer the, the the surplus store. And like I said, they have like a, a secondhand. A used clothing store there. But um, uh, if I'm not mistaken, um, about 12 years ago, uh, there was a really interesting story or a very interesting letter to the editor that was written uh, to the Brownsville Herald. And it was written by uh, someone by the name of Miriam Whitman Zuzak which is, uh, if I'm not mistaken, it was Mr. Whitman's daughter. Uh, And uh, she mentioned that it it was her understanding and it was her dad's final wish that he wanted to donate his multi-million dollar firearm collection to the city uh, where it would be housed in the pawn shop and it was be and it would be some sort of museum, an antique firearm museum, uh, a museum uh, to Mr. Whitman. But uh, I've tried uh, contacting the city. Uh, I've tried contacting people from the historic association and the preservation society. And uh, nobody has ever gotten back to me. Uh, but again, so this was uh, again uh, about 12 years ago-ish. So maybe I guess 2000, early 2000s. I guess 2000. Well, no, I guess I'm bad with math. What's whatever 12 minus 20 is? Was that eight? I guess 2008. 2000. 7, 2008, 2009, I guess, uh, when, when this letter was written in. And uh, it, it was very uh, sad. I think she writes in her letter, one of the quotes that was a little sad, it says, so sad to see the wishes of my parents were not carried out. It was a gift from our parents that, that were rejected for some strange reason. It was a gift from our parents that was rejected for some strange reason. Um I don't know if the city if they thought it would cost too much money to do the museum, uh, like I said, I, I really don't know. I don't have a whole lot of uh, there's not a whole lot of insight as to uh, what happened there at Whitman's or why uh, the museum never came to fruition. And again, the the $64, thousand question is what happened to all those firearms? uh again did the family end up selling them did they keep them Uh, did they auction them off do they still have them in a collection Uh, i i don't know but i think that would have been again uh, those of you out there who are listening if you remember uh or if you have a family member who remembers this antique firearm collection uh it is my understanding that there were some very rare some very valuable rifles and, and, and firearms in that collection uh, so I think it would be a very it would have been a very nice draw had um Brownsville decided to uh, to invest money in refurbishing Whitman's and keeping or making that part of the uh historic Brownsville the the chain of museums. The Brownsville Historic Association now has control over the uh, the museum, the old train depot, the old city cemetery center, the uh, the uh, Stillman House, and the Heritage Complex. So it would be interesting. I know. Again, my uh, a friend of mine, Eric, who is the other gentleman who wants to do the virtual walkthrough of uh, downtown with me. Hopefully, might be able to shed some light. On why the Whitmans, uh, why Whitmans was never used or repurposed as the firearms museum, uh, it would be really nice to uh, to see why that was. Uh, I've always said that Brownsville could definitely. Uh, Brownsville is a very historic place, guys. Uh, I would argue Brownsville is the most historic city south of San Antonio. Uh, we have all kinds of stuff here the Texas Revolution, the Civil War, uh, the U.S.-Mexican War. uh, There's all kinds of stuff that happened here in Brownsville. You know, you've got La Saca de la Palma, uh, you've got Palo Alto, you've got uh, Boca Chica Beach, Brownsville's Island, you've got the battlefields, you've got uh, Fort Brown, you've got the connection to, uh, you know, the Brownsville raid, the Brownsville incident. Uh, the Spanish-American War. You've got the uh, Buffalo Soldiers, the U.S. Colored Troops. You've got all kinds of stuff going on here in Brownsville, and uh, and again, Brownsville has a lot of history. And uh, it, I've always said that Brownsville would benefit from having or f- uh, from having a uh, a military type museum. Uh, there was a time where. Uh, At the time, it was called the Confederate Air Force and later renamed the Commemorative Air Force. Uh, The uh, Commemorative Air Force's RGV wing for quite some time was uh, next to the Brownsville-South Padre Island International Airport. And we had the air show that a few years ago went away. And again, that was definitely a feather in our cap. And uh, so many... Brownsvillians answered the call when it was time to fight during World War II. Uh, Mexican Americans and Mexicans were very highly decorated. Uh, Brownsville has a very uh, a very storied, a very colorful history as far as military service is concerned. Uh, many of Brownsville's native sons went off to fight World War II, went to fight in Korea, went to fight in Vietnam. Uh, some of my friends who i went to high school with joined the military and some of the other uh, conflicts the gulf war uh, fought in afghanistan and iraq again against the taliban and al-qaeda and uh, after 9-11 so brownsville has a very rich military history um brownsville has had um Naval vessels and Coast Guard vessels stationed at the Port of Brownsville. I remember there was a time in the late 1980s where the U.S. military was considering extending its naval presence in the area. And they mentioned that uh, from Naval Air Station Corpus Christi and Naval Air Station Kingsville, there was going to be, and there's a a naval base in Ingleside, uh, Texas, uh, that Brownsville may have gotten a naval base uh, in the uh, in the late 1980s, early 1990s. Uh, again, the uh, collapse of the Soviet Union probably played into that, and us not getting a military base. But uh, uh, again, uh, Brownsville is very, very uh, historical, and uh, places like Whitman's, places like historic downtown Brownsville, should not be forgotten. Uh, I'm actually very interested to hear any of your first-hand accounts of Whitman's. Uh, I would very much like to hear your stories. If you have any artifacts, if you have any pictures, if you have any, uh, anything that was purchased at Whitman's, if you have any stories of Whitman's. I know one of my coworkers mentioned her father would take her there and uh, she would buy uh, records, again, uh, music records there and uh because again he had he had so many different things you could buy uh so again guys uh, if you have any stories we here at the beacon we would love to hear them uh there's no greater thing other than listening when as far as history is concerned to listen to someone's personal history and their oral history um the stories that your parents tell, that your grandparents tell, that your family members tell, these are all very important stories. They add not only to your narrative, but to the narrative of the city, to the narrative of, of Brownsville, and that is one of my goals again as a, as a historian. Again, is to definitely preserve this type of uh, this type of storytelling, because I believe it is important. I think it's important to drive by and not just see a. a, a a tan-colored building on the outside with bars on the window and the three spheres hanging from the the second-story window and not knowing what that was. You know, you can drive by that building, at least now, and if you look for those three spheres, and you can say, hey, uh, I was listening to the podcast, or I know what those are. Those used to be pawn shop uh, symbols, and that's where Bernie Whitman had his pawn shop for many, many years. So, uh, like I said, guys, uh, that was just another little more, uh, a lighthearted kind of, uh, discussion, a little trip into, uh, I guess a trip down memory lane, uh, something that I remember very, very fondly. Again, I, I wish I could go back in time and visit those places again. I mean, these places exist in our mind, they exist in our memories, they exist in our thoughts, and, uh. And and there, there. It's like I said, it's a very beautiful time. It's very nostalgic, and and I love. I yes, I might be romanticizing some of it, but it was. It's worth romanticizing. It was a beautiful time. And uh, again, I look forward to more of these, not just political editorializing podcasts. I definitely want to dive more into some of the history stuff. I've got more stuff of downtown Brownsville. I've got. Uh, Stuff we can cover about the Majestic Theater. Uh, I wrote a really neat blog article about the history of Whataburger. uh, The second Whataburger that was ever built here uh, at the entrance of Palm Boulevard. We can talk about the Amigoland Mall. One day that's something that I definitely have on the back burner. Uh, Again, uh, talking to Eric and hopefully I can get my hand on some material about uh, the Amigoland Mall. uh, And more importantly, the uh, Amigoland Theme Park. The, the, the theme park that never was here in Brownsville. And, uh, you know, we could have had, uh, while definitely not a Disneyland or a Disney World, we definitely could have had something to compete with an Astro World or a Fiesta Texas. And that was on the books for construction in the 1970s here in Brownsville. And uh, why the Amigo land Mall is called the Amigoland Mall. So, again, we'll, we'll, we'll talk about that moving forward. And, again, guys, I, I definitely... I encourage you to, again, most of you know me personally. You've got me as friends on Facebook. You know my email. Again, if you visit the blog, you have an email address there. You can look me up. You can drop me a line. If you have any suggestions or any comments on any future shows, any things I should talk about, please feel free to message me and let me know. I I welcome you to uh, join the conversation. Eventually, I may turn these into live streams where I have people calling in. Uh, I may turn these into, again, God help us if it's video because, again, I have a face for radio. But uh, definitely a live call-in type situation where uh, you can call in and contribute to the show as we're recording. Uh, But again, guys, uh, I I definitely thank you for listening. I thank you very much for hanging in there with me. Uh, again, uh, we're already at the 30, I don't know, what are we, 30 some, 38 minute mark, somewhere around there, we're getting close to 40 minutes, <clears throat> so with the outro, we'll probably be over 40 minutes, uh, with our Bach theme of music, so again, guys, thank you very much, if you, uh, uh want to join the conversation, like I said, look us up, and drop us a line. Thank you for joining, enjoy the rest of your evening, and we'll catch you next time on the Brunswick Beacon Podcast. Take care and God bless.